0: Good morning. I'm Dave Lakin, and in, in the studio this morning we have Beth Boyer from Huntsville Country Club. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Have a good weekend. I did. Outstanding. It's rainy, rainy, rainy right. weekend here, right? Um, but we're going to get into a nice sunny week, looks like. Um, so, tell us about. We'll just jump right into it. Tell us about. Um, you. Where are you from, and, and how'd you get to where you're at, and then we'll talk about where you're at.
1: Um, I grew up in Huntsville, mostly. I was an Army brat, so we moved around a little bit, settled in Huntsville. Um, went to Sparkman High School, um, hung around here, and then I married a guy in the Navy, so we traveled all around, and I came back to Huntsville in around the year 2000 or so Um, worked in our family business for a while loved it stopped raised my kids and um, and now I run a golf course it's too much fun you just never know what you're gonna do when you wake up in the morning
0: (laughs) so uh, you probably weren't trained to run a golf course right what were you trained to do
1: I was not I'm an electrical engineer by degree I am um, I've done a lot of computer programming I do those kind of things my brain works very logically Um, I got a hint when I first started this business and I was getting very frustrated that things weren't going as well as I wanted them to go. And somebody said that this business is very different from engineering, that it cannot be contained. You can do your best to control it, but it can't be contained. Uh, That took a little bit of pressure off of me to just kind of let things happen as they do. And um, so it's fun.
0: So every week we want to talk about a particular business, um, but one of the theories that we operate under is that the business of doing business is universal. And so long as the business is really good at its core function, then we can help to develop those business systems and make it good at business in general. Um, So that's kind of where you're at, is you have a business that's been a longstanding institution here in the area since 1925. And it's had its ups and downs over the years. And uh, and you so tell us the story about the business that you're in, what the business is, and uh, and when you got into it, kind of how you found it.
1: All right. So as you said, we've been around since 1925. Um, golf clubs in general have seen ups and downs over the years. Um, they say they're kind of in a down slump now. Um, I've not seen that in this town. People love golf in this town. People love our golf course. Um, there's a lot of tradition, a lot of history, um, which is kind of the way that we managed to say that it. it's, been, it's been badly managed. One of the things I've learned about golf clubs is that the people who own them, run them, and are members of them just want to play golf. That's what they want to do. Nobody wants to be bothered with the business of running a golf club. So that's fine. That's okay. We can we can try to make their golf course look like they want it to and still continue to run the business. But it's we came into this. The the club had gone bankrupt. Um, it, it, It just couldn't couldn't bring its finances together to keep itself moving on but there were six members who just wanted to save the club and all the rich history and tradition that came along with it and the beautiful course and so they got together and bought the club and and then they looked at each other and said well we own a golf club now what are we going to do so um so i came in and i've just been trying to kind of run that business and and make it do what it needed to do but the the employees and the members and everybody who were involved was used to being a part of a failing business. And they, that was the culture. And they just were going to keep on going until they failed. And so it's been very difficult to turn that whole culture and that whole feeling around to we are a business that can actually succeed.
0: Yeah, when you know when you said that uh, people just want to play golf, uh, so that's the core function is is providing the ability to play golf. But as it turns out, you've got a several thousand square foot uh, clubhouse with two restaurant areas, essentially, and locker rooms, and big giant pool, and right. uh, you know two bar areas, and a right. bunch of employees. And oh, by the way, to play on those, to play on the course, somebody's got to maintain the course. That's right. So it, as it turns out, it's not just hey, we own 150 acre golf course. Somebody's got to keep it all up.
1: That's exactly right. I say that very often. That it's it's like running four businesses under one roof. We have an event business, we have a golf course, we have an entire landscaping crew that you have to know how to run. It's 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 a lot to handle on a daily basis.
0: And managing the the cash flow of it is. Uh, I'm sure a headache. Oh, yes. Um, and, the, and the people, how many total employees do you have, have there?
1: Um, it varies a lot depending on what the weather is outside, but um, somewhere around 30 employees.
0: Yeah. So that's, a, that's actually a good number of employees right? Uh, for for what you would just think it's just a golf course.
1: Right. I thought that a lot before <laughs> I got started in this business.
0: <laughs> so uh, one one of the things that we are going to talk about over the course of the next hour is um, the struggles that uh, that you have come up with, when did you get into the golf course?
1: I started in December of last year.
0: And when did the partners buy it? They bought it late July, early August. All right, but it probably took a while to handle that transition. And...
1: Yes, and there there was a person in, in my position there who was doing everything that she could do to hold the place together. Um, it just was a lot more work than one person could do. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I finally got in there and started working and, and hired a few people to help us.
0: Cool. All right. Well, um, let's see. There's a number of things we can talk about. Uh, uh, you want to start on the course or you want to start in the in the clubhouse?
1: Well, since our course is looking better, we can start there. Um, we've just hired a new ground superintendent who's fabulous. He comes to us from Florida. Um, and the Greens are already happy to see him, and our members are happy to see him. And so that is definitely looking up.
0: All right. Uh, well, uh, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, and then uh, when we come back out, we'll we'll talk about various people problems and and what it takes to maintain a 150-acre golf course uh, when it's been in decline for a number of years. So we'll be back in a minute. All right, we're back. This is Dave Lakin and uh, Beth Boyer from Huntsville Country Club. And we're talking about what it takes to take over a business that uh, was in serious decline. You guys kind of bought it out of uh, bankruptcy, and uh, and are trying to restore it, and and actually have restored it. Uh, and i uh, getting ready to have a big gala celebration this year, right? Right. Um, so, you were talking about, uh, and you know, it seems it seems kind of uh, uh, of a small deal. You know, the the grass went bad. Okay, well, the grass goes bad in front of my house, and I. You know, right. Run to Lowe's real quick, but uh, so so. What does that mean that the that the greens were were not in good shape?
1: Well, you know, I'm with you. You you mow the lawn, you put fertilizer on it, it's fine. But there is a fine art to running a golf course, and someone who is qualified can come in and do that for you. I was spending a lot of time worrying about it. We had a lot of members that were not happy, um, so we hired a qualified guy to come in and take care of it. So now that's one one more thing off my plate that we can you know if you hire qualified people they can handle that so
0: yeah i was amazed when when i got in there with you and one of the one of the first things we did was took a drive around the greens just to see what we're talking about and uh you know on the putting greens uh that grass is really short and had actually been cut too short and not watered enough and you know had had gone down to the roots and um and then you know at one point we saw the guys putting sand on the greens and and I didn't understand that. right?
1: And I didn't <laughs> it, it really either. And an everybody art. has a different theory about what needs to be done. And everybody yeah. has lots of advice I was hearing at all. Um, so it all. So it just feels a lot better to have somebody in there who can field all those questions from me. I, all I can do is send them down to Mark now because that's not my job anymore, which is great.
0: Right. Um, but so one of the problems that he came into is a number of people problems down there yes uh what kind of people problems have you encountered in, in taking over this golf course
1: well when we took it over there were almost 27 employees even at that point and so there were a lot of employees who had worked for the club as it was failing um as it was going down and and um, everybody kind of knew that there wasn't any return for that that we weren't coming back from that and so people had just gotten very complacent. I wouldn't go all the way to lazy. They weren't lazy by the time I got there in december, but but very complacent and very um understanding that they were they were in a business that wasn't going to succeed. So it's just kind of hard to turn that around and make them work hard for something, be become a part of a team again that's working for success um, because they they had been told for a long time that they weren't going to succeed. so, some of those we had to let go some of those we've been able to keep and um and convince that they can be a part of a winning team so
0: yeah we um you know one of the things we talked about a lot is is creating the right vision in the business and getting everybody on board with that vision and and getting them to see uh where you want to take the course in the long term uh and you know bringing it back into to being a good thriving uh country club um you know Given the the area of town that it's in, and the struggles that it's had, and the history, the the age of the building, um, a lot of that is a, is a lot to manage. Um, you know, certainly we have a big historic district here in town, and uh, and you know, arguably that building is part of the historic uh, reference of the town. And so, um, getting the employees to see it's not just a clubhouse, it's not just you know a big giant family, it's it's a uh, it's a legacy that needs to be maintained and and uh, and honored so to speak, um, because that the club you know we talked about it earlier is that the the club came up in the Roaring Twenties you know a bunch of guys got together a dozen people I think you said fifteen mm-hmm. yeah got together and decided hey let's grow country club and, right you know pulled up 150 acres and and uh, and started started on their way, uh, but that was you know in the time between World War One and World War Two, made it uh, and, and the Depression. And uh, it's such a rich history here in town. So, uh, the for the partners to come together and say we're not going to let that fail is uh, is really to their credit. Uh, but they might not have understood how big a, a bite they were taking.
1: That's correct. It's still it's still a business. It's a small business, but it's still a business that has has to be run and managed and. Um, you know it's it's tough on a daily basis to to go and do that when that's not really my business which is why it's been great to have you in there kind of spurring us along on the things that need to get done that don't always seem like they're necessary but they absolutely are
0: yeah Uh, i think you know when we first started talking in july uh you know it felt to me like you were trying to do it all on your own and um you know we talked about uh how to how to build up those individual teams and and so what you did was hiring the the uh hiring mark down at the uh at the the maintenance shed to take care of the course and that gives him his team and then uh hiring well you had your, your chef in place but getting him to understand that that uh that that's a team and he needs to work under a budget in that particular area of the business and and uh and getting him to to do that a, a lot of these changes um were difficult to bring on because you were the new person correct and and getting them to you know some of those folks have been there for quite a while and getting them to to see you as the uh as the new leader of the business that's responsible for pulling it up out of uh where it was is hard so what was that what do you when we come back off of the break, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what that was like as, you know, as the, the new guy, so to speak, uh, having to take over a a, a long standing group of folks who were, you know, beholden to each other. And, and uh, you know, some of them were, um, you know, knew the members really well and some of them had to go. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back off the break. and we're back i'm dave lakin with action coach business coaching in huntsville and in the studio with beth boyer of huntsville country club so before we went to the break um well let me ask you how did you end up with the job that you have you're not really trained into that job so it's not like you uh, ascended up to it how'd you get that job
1: right um, so my dad, Bill Stender, is one of the six um, members who went together to buy the country club. And, um, and I heard talk of it last summer. During the summer, people were saying that somebody was going to buy that club and, um, and dad might buy that club. And um, I thought it was a great thing because the city really loves the club. We've had so much support from the city. Everybody's bringing their, their meetings back to us, and it's really been a lot of fun. So it wasn't something I was opposed to, but neither was it something I was planning on getting involved in. And um, but once the once they bought the club, they realized that there was a lot of disorganization to to what was going on. And so Dad asked me to just kind of look into it and and try to help. And um, as I looked into it more and tried to help a little bit, um, I realized that it 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 really the business end of it had really fallen into a lot of chaos there just wasn't any um there was no filing there was no there was no reconciling they were just managing to get by on a day-to-day basis they were doing the best they could with what they had so um so i i just kind of wandered in and said okay well can i take this little piece and this little piece and um so we started kind of piecing it together from there and um and, and the employees were happy to see me, I think. Um, they were happy to see somebody kind of take charge and start moving things forward. And so it was going really well for a little while until, until then I started to take a little bit more charge and, and say, hey, we can do this better than we're doing it now. We can we can make these changes and things are going to get better. And, um, and at that point, I felt like I was a four-year-old put in charge of the playground and all the eight-year-olds didn't want to play with me anymore. They... Um, they, they weren't really fighting against me. I never heard any disagreement. They just weren't doing what I was asking them to do. So... We've worked through a lot of that, I think. They see the value in what I'm asking them to do. Um, the ones who aren't are beginning to understand that I'm going to keep asking until they do it anyway. Um, so I, I think we're beginning to pull ourselves out. We've seen some um, some months where we didn't lose as much money as other months. We're not a completely profitable business yet, but we're getting there. Um, we need we need members to come and support what we're doing. So we're, we're going to have a big celebration in um, December to try to bring back some of our older members who have left. Um, It's amazing when we look through the records of all our old members. Most people in Huntsville have been a member of Huntsville Country Club at some point in their lives. I mean, I see so many names that I recognize, so many names that I'm familiar with, people who are friends of mine now. And so we hope to kind of gather everybody around in December and show them the great things that we've done with the course, um, show them all the changes we've made in the clubhouse. The clubhouse was um, a bit of a mess. It was a 30-year-old building when we bought it. So we've done a lot of renovations, um, just upkeep, general upkeep and maintenance, and we want to show everybody what we've done, and that we're proud to move forward and and get some of our members back and and make it make it like coming home again. Make it a family like it used to be.
0: Yeah, I think that that's great. So uh, that uh, came up a couple weeks ago. It's like coming home. Um, some of the uh, the the problems that you've had in there is is because people, you know, everybody wants to get in there and pick up the pieces and do whatever they can to help out, but what that creates is a lot of overlap in the job assignments. Um one of the things that that you know I like to do when I go into business is work with the owner to make sure that Everybody on the organization chart, once we've developed the organization chart, right? <laughs> <laughs> that everybody has a, a clear, concise job description so that they know exactly what their jobs are uh, because often that overlap between the jobs is where the ball gets dropped a lot. Well, I thought John was going to do it and John thought I was going to do it and nobody did it because it's on both our you know, perceived job descriptions and, and so it just didn't get done. Um, so by creating really good... Um, specific job descriptions you can get rid of a lot of that overlap and keep those balls from getting dropped but from the job descriptions you can create kpis or key performance indicators which are the the markers by which you determine if a person is doing a good job or not um, and you know one of the things that we've talked about is o- over time you know you discovered how unhappy people are in there and a lot of times people are unhappy in their job because they don't understand Number one, what their job is. And number number two, what good looks like. Right. Um, so by going in and creating those KPIs and having regular discussions with people uh, over, you know, these are the things that I expect you to be doing. This is what, you know, when I think of, the, of a good job being done here uh you know with measurable results this is what a good job looks like to me and if i'm the one evaluating you and you know what good looks like to me then all of a sudden it's a lot easier to do a good job right Uh, but it's it's such a simple concept that people brush right past it or they you know the the managers and owners uh say you know i don't have time to manage down to that level well then we got to go find ways to find time um so you know uh talk about a a little bit about job descriptions and kpis and how they've made a difference so far i know we still got a lot of ground to cover with them but
1: we do have a lot of ground to cover when when we found dave we were i mean we were in groundhog day dave affectionately calls it that but we we really were i mean every day was get up and um and just manage what we had to get done that day and so we're trying very hard to kind of focus on what we can do to point ourselves in the right direction for the future and i think that creating an org chart and creating these kpis is important um i've had an employee that i i thought i was going to have to let go um she was creating um, havoc with her coworkers and with me and with the members, and it was difficult. And um, But instead of letting her go, I thought, well, I'll give her one more chance, and I'll talk to her about what it is that I expect, what my expectations are from that job, what she's absolutely not allowed to do, um, and what would be considered unacceptable. And she's completely turned around. She's a star employee now, and I'm so happy that we were able to keep her. She loves me and at the club, and she loves the loyalty that we showed to her. So... Um, so letting people know what their job is supposed to look like is absolutely important for them to be able to perform that job and be happy in it. So um, I'm learning as I go. I'm, I'm not a manager by degree and I'm not a leader by nature. So it's been a lot to learn. Um,
0: but you are an engineer.
1: I am and that. <laughs> when, and when,
0: when you can take jobs and make the performance of those jobs measurable, you know, just something as simple as putting a, a budget on the chef. Right. This is the budget you have to operate to make it work. Right. Um, you know, good looks like this on the budget line and bad looks like, you know, what, where you're right. at. <laughs>
1: Correct. Yes. And we've been through it for months at a time and it's still something that we're working on. Um you know, not to speak out of turn too much, but when we got there and it had gone bankrupt and nobody was paying attention to the business, um, there just was a lot of of waste and abuse, especially in the kitchen department, um, and that had just become normal. Um, all employees ate for free. Right. I mean, we're that a family was, operation. We're we're a family operation. That's kitchen. exactly right. And um, it, you know, if that's a business decision that everyone wants to make, then you can work around that. But you have to track that and you have to measure how much food you're giving away for free, um, how you're going to work that into your business plan you can't you can't just give food away for free indefinitely without at least knowing how much of that food you're doing so um you know people didn't didn't want me to stop that the employees didn't the board was holding me to a budget um, that we couldn't possibly meet while everyone was still eating for free so um, that was a difficult culture to turn around and um and, and we still do have um programs in place where they do some days eat for free there are some items that they get for free we've put some controls on it and when they do that they um, bring it into our system and they comp it out for themselves so at least now i know how much food is being eaten for free or discount
0: right yeah we you know we talked about things along the way like measuring waste coming back off off of the uh, dining room and things like that um but understanding understanding those budgets, understanding the waste, understanding uh, you know how necessary it is to live within the budget uh, became vital. You had three different vendors that supply groceries basically to the restaurants, and all three of them were competing against each other, and and the sales pe- people from those. Uh, from those organizations were of course trying to increase sales correct uh, by manipulating your chef
1: correct Um, that's absolutely correct and um, you know that's the nature of that business and it was again a business I wasn't familiar with so I didn't understand that's what was going on Um, all of the vendors were very helpful to us and um, so we thought that they were our friends and they were helping us Um, and I'm sure in their hearts they were but it's a business plan for them and they were they were increasing their sales and they were selling us food that we didn't need and um, and it took a long time kind of to understand that um, so we have moved all of our business to Halsey Grocery I can't say enough wonderful things about them and um, and you know we are happy to be supporting another local business um, that's a good thing to us and one of the reasons that we switched but we had had good comments that they would help us with our budget and they have they've been great with us
0: yeah that's, that's uh, that made a big turnaround I know uh, financially in getting that under control um, so uh, we're going to go to break again, and when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on people, and then um, we'll be wrapping up the show. Welcome back to the Action Hour. So, uh, Beth, tell me about work-life balance. How, how are you managing taking over a club that was in, uh, uh, kindly putting it, disarray uh, versus you know you have a life?
1: right i had a fairly yeah i did i had a fairly full (laughs) life coming in um i have Um, Well, one of them just grew out of his teenage years, but I have three older teenage children, and um, one of them was a senior in high school. I run fundraisers for the school. I'm involved in um, Village of Promise and Boys and Girls Club here in town. I had a lot going on, Um, and Dad would want me to mention that I I worked for him and was getting a lot of his paperwork and financial stuff under control. So I had a lot going on already, and um, this job, when you take it on, anybody who's run a small business who who has something like this, it is all consumed when you when you get into it and you just you want to do a good job for the 27 30 people who work for you those are all families who depend on me to do that job right so that those people can keep their jobs and it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of um of of wanting to do a good job for them um so it 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 had it knocked my work life balance completely out of out of whack. Um, the whole time that my children were growing up, I was easily able to keep work in its proper perspective, and um, and keep my kids at the top priority list. Um, this job quickly became all consuming, top priority. Luckily, my whole family was very understanding of that um they all kind of pitched in and helped at home which is great now two of them are off at college and um, my one at home has been very helpful and um that that's been a blessing but it still needs to be kept in perspective that work is work um and that that it will be there again tomorrow and you just need to go home and spend time with your family
0: yeah And, and you have staff that you can you know you don't have to do it all alone you've got a bunch of staff under you one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot in coaching is creating a time study. And you you can have your employees do a time study to determine who is doing what and where the overlaps are and how it relates to their job description and whether or not they're being paid Properly for the work that they're doing or not doing, even though they should be. But when you do that work study for yourself, you can find the things that need to be delegated off of you to free up more time for you to strategize on growing and, and improving the business, but also for having a life that so you right. can enjoy the, the fruits of your business and your, of your labors So as you're well.
1: saying somebody else should go to Sam's and pick up the groceries from now on?
0: I'm saying that somebody <laughs> else should be doing that. If, if you were paying yourself what you should be being paid as the as the head of a large business, then um, then you wouldn't pay somebody that same hourly rate to run to Costco. Right. So, all right, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. Um, so, Beth, um, we got a big party coming up. We do. Let's talk about the party. Excellent. Um, tell me, so last week we were talking about uh, the invitation list. So how do you know who to invite to come out to celebrate the 90th anniversary of a big institution in town.
1: Right. It's, um, it's going to be fun to kind of go back through our records and try to get that. It's going to take some time, so I will have to get some help in there, uh, maybe get some members to come in and help me and figure out which ones are still in town, which ones maybe aren't alive anymore. We've been around a really long time, um, so we can call that list down. We, we really hope to invite many, many old members to, um, some of the uh, important people in town to come and help us celebrate it's our 90th anniversary it's a huge celebration for us
0: you've been in business through 90 years of mayors and senators and congressmen and state legislators and and uh and you know i tell people often that a business exists at the will and pleasure of the market right. if uh, to the extent that you solve a problem in the market the market will allow you to exist and you've existed for 90 years. So the market has upheld and taken care of Huntsville Country Club for 90 years and created an institution there. So you have the opportunity to thank Huntsville and the county for keeping you alive and well for 90 years and that means everybody's invited
1: right absolutely everybody's invited we'd we'd love to have everybody come in and see what we're doing Um, another thing you mentioned history and there's a ton of history there Um, we were in business through the civil rights movement through all of that in in Alabama and um, so one of the things that's been fascinating and interesting to me since we've been there is to see people come in the building who at one point in their own lives they weren't allowed to come in and be a customer in our building Um, and they in and check i mean some of them have come in and checked with us is it okay if i come in here absolutely it is we're so thrilled to be a part of this city and all people are welcome and um and we've done a great job marketing to the neighborhood where we are um we've done a great job um bringing some diversity into our membership and and so we want the whole city to come out and see that that we're here for all of huntsville
0: yeah when, when people think of a country club i'm sure uh they quickly draw the stereotypical idea of of the clientele of a country club um but you're right in between UAH and A&M and uh, and you do have a really diverse body in the mm-hmm. country club. and
1: Oakwood University has a corporate membership now so um mm-hmm. we are we, we have a great opportunity to, to serve all people of Huntsville
0: yeah and uh, and so that that uh I don't want to say that makes you unique here in town but it it uh you know just it goes back to that feeling of it's like coming home and it's coming right. home for everybody right um and that that long history i'm really looking forward to the party because it you have the ability to invite everybody it's going to be a real um
1: the the week that I came in and I I started going through there was there was paperwork everywhere and there were boxes everywhere and you know I was trying to go through them at least start getting stuff put away while I was learning the business and we have all the original stock certificates of people who bought the original stocks in in nineteen thirty ish forty ish um, so we'll have some of those kind of things out on display old pictures old newspaper articles all those kind of things so people can can see and touch and feel what a part of this city we've been for that for ninety years.
0: So um, we, I think it's safe to say that we can invite anybody within our, our listening audience here and who catches the podcast is welcome to come in and check out the club at any time. Where you located at?
1: Right. We're 2601 Oakwood Avenue. Um, we tell people we're kind of right behind Costco, so it's easy to find us. Um, just come up the parkway and, and turn on Oakwood. Um yeah, we're, we're easy to find. We do have now um, on Tuesdays, we have Try It Out Tuesdays because um, we're a private club. You do have to have a membership to play on our course, but on Tuesdays. Also a new change? Yes, it is a new change. Um, everything's positive in, in our in our neck of the woods. So, But on Try It Out Tuesdays, you can come and play, um, pay a guest fee and, and play because we want people to be able to look at the course and see what a difference we can make in their lives being a member there.
0: Um, and they can find you you have a website which is we
1: do huntsvillecountryclub.com
0: and you're on facebook of course absolutely and if anybody's looking for me i'm at actioncoach.com slash dave lakin i'm also dave lakin business coach on facebook and uh, if you have uh, questions about how we can grow and improve your business feel free to give me a call otherwise we'll see you right back here same time next week